and welcome to another episode of War Dice. I'm Gonzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. And today, we actually, let's go back. We Since we've been on a long break, because we had Warfare Weekend and then recovering from Warfare Weekend, we, you know, are starting up this again, um, where we're going to start up a few things. But we mm-hmm. had to take a long break. Warfare Weekend kind of kicked our butts this year. <laughs> yeah, so I... Speaking for myself, I ran two events and I was exhausted. I don't know how you're still alive, Gonzo. <laughs> well, it, it comes with the territory. Uh, I did laugh because I, I walked over almost 70,000 steps from like Thursday to Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and I was like, man, that was pretty crazy. But um, we did do that, and we did. We were like, "Hey, let's just take another week off, and then we'll do this right before the Thanksgiving break that's coming up uh, for everybody that's listening." Um, but we're going to talk about not only a little bit about Warfare Weekend, even though you did do an awesome uh, write up with another uh, group of people. Who did you do that write up with? That was with um, the Arcane Synthesis. Yes. Blog. Give them a good shout out. Um, they started doing really cool stuff, which is awesome. Um, and I saw that and I was reading through it. And I was like, ooh, awesome, cool. Um, but after we talk about a little bit about Warfare Weekend, we're going to talk about the scenarios uh, that you used at Warfare Weekend. And then we're going to talk about the spoilers that dropped this week for Lost mm. Legion. Uh, we're going to give our insights. Uh, we're going to talk about the models. And we're going to we're gonna see if we can, you know, start thinking about some of these, you know. I wouldn't say rumors, but our speculations of what we think this might do. We are going to recklessly theorize. Type thing. Yeah. So we are going to work on that. Um, so let's talk about Warfare Weekend. You ran how many events? So I ran both of the major Warcaster events there. We had the, on Friday we did the Lawgiver narrative event. We had six players show up for that which is awesome. We had three AC players, two ISAs, and a martial world. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I, I put out a video on the War Budgies channel if you want to see kind of how it went and how the board board layout was. But it was a ton of fun. It took us, I think, four and a half hours we were playing that event. It was a blast. Uh... And uh, essentially we split the players. There were two boards of three players each, and we ended up with a final tally of the ISA winning one board and the Marshall Worlds winning the other board. And I'll save the narrative punchline for that for the, the War Buddies channel. But that was our last sort of bonus episode for Jericho Reach Season 2. Okay. Um, what else? Besides the two events, uh, did you get any fun games in? I got a couple of games in. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, Thomas Grable. Uh, he's big into Riot Quest, so I try to throw down with Riot Quest with him every chance I get. And I got to do one of the Requiem adventures with Travis Marg. Oh, okay. And that's a fun time. I, I love, absolutely love D&D and RPG and Requiem, all that kind of stuff. All right. What about you, Gonzo? Did you get any, any fun games in? <laughs> I got to play a few games. So I was testing out uh, quite a few games with the tried and true crew for uh mark four um that was what i got to do pretty much over the weekend so you have tasted mark four yes uh i've been tasting mark four for a while uh and everything and since those scenarios came out over the weekend i was like "Mm, let me uh test them out with some tried and true people 
So cool. that's what Your I overall did. impression? Uh, I like Mark IV. Mark IV is a lot of fun. Uh, the scenarios need work because we all know that they were um, pretty much, you know, just early alpha testing stuff. So people yeah. can get an idea is the best way to put it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's kind of where I was going with it. I mean, I'm having fun. I, I can't wait to see what else they've got. Good. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's an exciting time to be in the hobby. Oh, yeah. So, uh, other than that, let's go ahead and get started on our two scenarios. Now, these <clears> two <throat> scenarios are the scenarios that you played at Warfare Weekend with um, w- with what event? Just the, so, the These two were the Warcaster Championships. We had four players there. Uh, everyone had essentially a modified skirmish level army to skirmish to modified skirmish. So, we did a single el- elimination in two rounds. Okay. So, we had Two tables face off over Chaos Theory, which we'll talk about in a second, and then the finalists faced off with Moon Shadow on sort of the uh, or the final round, I guess. Okay. And I'll be honest, Moon Shadow was chosen randomly. Okay. Because it was the final table, and I wanted to be kind of fair on all that. Chaos Theory I picked personally because I adore this scenario. This is one of my, if not my favorite skirmish scenario. And if you guys get the chance, you know, for you reading along at home. It was originally one of the three from the the original Little Core rulebook. There's three three skirmish scenarios in, in there. Chaos Theory is the middle one. Essentially, it's a star pattern of five objectives. Mm-hmm. So there's two that are... Each player has one that's essentially in their deployment zone. And then there's three of them in a row across the middle of the board. And they all count for points. It's escalation scoring, so they count as... One on the first round, two at the end of the second round, and all that. Yep. Uh, into pulse round scoring. But the trick to it is, at the end of pulse rounds one and two, you roll a dice, and one of those three middle ob- objectives randomly vanishes. So the economy of objectives changes really, in a really interesting way. When it starts off, there's five objectives. I mean, the board is just lousy with objectives. But they're all worth one point. Yeah. In pulse round two, there's now everything's worth two points, but there's only four objectives. And depending on which objective vanishes, the whole pace of the battle has to urgently swing and pivot around to the remaining objectives. Yeah. I mean, because it is always it's just a frenzy every time. Yeah, because I mean, it's because after the first round, you say you roll a D3 and you remove one, correct? Yeah. Now you, and, it, and it's random, so you could be in the middle of the board and have to race to the next one type thing mm-hmm. and then go around it. Um, so what do you think about this one? Because, I mean, there are – I do have some issues with this, but not a lot. Um, what do you? What is your overall thought about this mission completely? Well, in terms of just like point scoring, like if I, if I was going to grade it on like a balance sort of scale – uh, the random draw does put a big damper on the idea of balance because you can fortify the crap out of an objective and then suddenly that objective is no longer in the game. Correct. And you've committed a ton of your forces to one area. So it does force you to balance out to sort of take into account the randomness, but the randomness can be cruel. And that's actually what I enjoy about it because every time you go for that role, every player gets tense and everyone's like, oh man, I hope this objective stays. I hope this one goes away and all that. It's super exciting every time you roll that, and then it just cascades right into the next round where everyone tries to move around and account for the uh, the missed objective. So I'm going to call it, um, I give it a B minus on balance. 
Yeah, but I, an A I, plus on cinematic tension. That's that that that's my issue with some of it is is the objective that's on your your side that's on the you know six inches in the middle of the board on your side mm-hmm. that you know you're always going to keep someone near that just yes. so you can protect it you know et cetera et cetera and then the three in the middle is always going to be it's going to be a bounce around um, yep. in my my mind being a competitive player I don't like a lot of randomness but this isn't too bad comparatively uh because you can move to those zones pretty those areas pretty quickly in this game yes um so it's not that big of a deal um but claiming one and then popping off and go oh crap i'm over so so i'm over at one and then three is the one that you know you're you know you've got to run to or you know you remove one so you've got to just book it so you really can't you can't like throw everything over to one side so you got to kind of stick in the middle, stay and wait and commit some, but not commit all yeah. type thing. Yeah, it, it forces you to, to be very, very agile, which is not always easy in Warcaster. Yeah. No, and the thing is, is with the introduction of gates, it makes it a little bit easier, per se. Because you could, you could set up and throw a gate, you know, off to the right or off to the left if you're in the center and get prepared. Yeah. But you're not, you know, you can't just do everything type of yeah. stuff um the dice roll though that the dice can be savage and this is one of those cases where if if it's too bad two bad rolls in a row for you like the objective you're holding is the one that vanishes it can be a huge feels bad yeah and this is also one i think where you shouldn't use the mercy rule because for the simple fact that um you could get shafted on going to get stuff and you the mercy rule is in play um, it should be able to, you should be able to get and do stuff, yeah. um, and, and move around because you could get screwed by bad die rolls of what you're taking away. But, you know, I don't think I've ever used the mercy rule to be honest. Um, I don't, I don't think I've ever tabled everybody that bad. So I've never used it. So, but that's just something we need to think about and do. That's fair. I honestly, as someone who's so far only played skirmish or modified skirmish, I don't think I've ever used it. Yeah, because it's it's optional for skirmish and all that. But it in a game with this degree of lethality, it never seemed like a like a fun thing to add in. Correct. Um. So I mean, this and this is kind of just like a basic scenario too. This is not like a huge elaborate. It's more of a stick and move type thing. Yeah. So it's it's a good one up from boiling point. Uh, boiling point being like everyone's like my first warcaster mission it's just very very simple here's objectives go grab them and then you you bump up the complexity to chaos theory it's like here's a bunch of objectives but they're going to start to go away so it's it's a good beginner one yeah um so our next one which was uh and you played this one as the last yes so this was the finalist table and it was chosen randomly Okay, and I, I'm going to throw that out there because as soon as I mentioned which one it was, neither player was particularly thrilled with it, <laughs> which is a good thing. But you'll understand why here in a second. So we picked Moon Shadow. Yep. Uh, this was originally out of the Collision Course book. I think all six are in a neat little row in the Thousand Worlds book. But if you have the the little rule books, it's in the Collision Course one. There's four objectives mm-hmm. set up in a nice little square. And it's end of activation scoring instead of end of pulse round. So all you have to do is run up and tag the objective. You get the point for it. Correct. But 
Yeah, the plot twist is it's night, and uh, night vision doesn't work so well in the Thousand Worlds. Mm-hmm. So models that don't have a revelator, revelator, revelation. <laughs> Thank you. I've no idea how to pronounce stuff. <laughs> yeah, so they don't have that. They suffer minus one rat for every full five inches away they are from their target. And we Which had is an, ball yeah, breaking. we had an ISA versus an AC, and as soon as I mentioned this, they were both like, oh, yeah. Yeah, on top of which, I mean, if you're entirely within obscuring terrain, you gain stealth. Nobody cares. The big thing is, if you're more than 10 inches away, you're shooting like rat one and two. Correct. Like, it's it gets rough in a hurry. This this is an area that totally fucks marchers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we've always talked about how marchers have a great, uh, you know, range attack. Um, but having this scenario... You're just like, you nerf Marcher so bad it's not even funny. Yep. All of a sudden, your guns aren't so much of a guns. Yep. Which is, it's a very nice plot twist to do, but I'm kind of glad that it showed up. And again, it was a random draw, but I'm kind of glad it showed up on a ISA versus AC matchup. Because if the Marcher's player had drawn that, that would have been a feels bad for me. Correct. But as Uh, it was, what it forces you to do is not run into close range, which I think is interesting. Everyone kind of adopts this close to mid range where they still want to use their guns. They, they don't want to get all punchy, but they also don't want to deal with like a minus rat two. Correct. Which is devastating if you're not literally a marcher's hunter. Yeah. And this also has, I'm, cause I'm sitting here reading it and each player can only score the objective once per pulse round. Right. And that's pretty standard for the end of activation yep. stuff. So you run around, you tag all the objectives, you hope you live to next turn and then you try to tag them all again. Correct. And I think, I, I'm trying to remember, because it's, obviously it's, it's been a while and I was brain dead when I came back. I think it was a fairly close game there towards the end. Cool. Because the control of the objectives kept switching. Like someone run in, tag an objective, get shot off, and then someone else would tag the objective. <laughs> like it's, in end of pulse round scoring, it's a zero-sum game. Like either I scored or you scored. End of activation scoring, we could t- technically both score every objective every turn. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's when you secure it, not when you've held it for a round, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And it's it, it can get nuts. I mean, like I said, the, it's not just a minus one. It's a minus one for every five inches, which is pretty devastating. Right. Because, um, like I said, you're going to have to get close no matter what. I mean, unless you want, you know, unless you want to be face to face, you're going to have to, you know, you have to be within five inches not to take a penalty or right. is it closer than five inches? Yeah. For, you have to be closer than five inches. So if you, you could be no penalty at all. Yes. You have to be in less than five inches. You yes. really got to be in white to the rise type territory. Yeah. Um, so that one's, I mean, like I said, it's kind of a ball buster and really yeah. screws up people for their things. But I mean, that's, kind of the point of having scenarios and kind of not knowing about scenarios, which is okay. Yeah. Uh, you should build your list, you know, for an all around and not for the scenarios, um, which is an interesting thing. Um, so also, I'm, I'm a big fan of scenarios where you are forced to change how you play the game. Correct. Like, uh, the way you played Moonshadow, like it's not a polite suggestion. Maybe you should move closer. Like this is like you need to move closer, or you're going to start missing everything you're doing. Correct. 
Because, I mean, and, even with a three dice hit, you're hitting on one if you're over 10 inches. You yeah. know, mine, you're hitting with a two dice. Uh, and they still get their full defense, so it's even easier. Yeah, it's it it's crazy. and it, But it, it is kind of cool because people who would normally find a good spot of cover and hunker down and start shooting stuff at maximum range, you can't do that. It's not a viable strategy in this one. You've yeah. got to get in there. And that's that made the match very exciting. I say that as a spectator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we don't care about anything else, but spectators, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. I have played this on the channel. It, it is honestly a very fun scenario, but it can be frustrating when you, you you see what would normally be a perfect shot, and then you're like, man, I'm I'm at like rat two for that shot. Correct. Um, so those are the two that you played um, mm-hmm. at, at Warfare Weekend. Um, next year, um, do you think you're going to be doing another narrative event? If I'm able to go next year, which it is a question mark because we've got a big move coming up middle of next year. Mm-hmm. But if I do, I'm definitely running another narrative scenario at least. Correct. Because the narrative event was a ton of fun. I had a blast with it. Yeah. Um, which we have another person that's going to be taking over uh, the Warcaster stuff. Uh, we will have a Warcaster um, championship like usual. Uh, and we are looking at doing the pod racing that... Um, Travis had uh, mentioned and we'd talked about before where um, you have people racing down a long length of table, not just a single mat. And, you know, people are shooting as them as they go as they go past and whoever, you know, wins, wins. Uh, if you if you survive and you're the first survivor, you win. Or if you're the uh, people on the sidelines and you kill everybody, you all win. <laughs> <laughs> I like that set of rules. If you're the first survivor, you get to win. <laughs> yeah. You're the first survivor. You win, and if n- nobody survives, the as we call them, the Tuscan Raiders uh, mm-hmm. are sniping you out as you're driving by. But so, if for those of you listening that may not have tried out race mode, it's normally played on like three mini boards that are like a foot long, so they overlap right. each other like a treadmill, and you just move it as the racers go along. When Gonzo first explained this to me, he pointed to a table that I swear to God was a hundred feet long. Yes. Well, and it was wh- like, yeah, we're just gonna lay this whole thing out as a one big race course. Well, what happened at Adepticon, Travis and I were talking about it and he mentioned it and I was like, that would be really fun. You just kind of scoot, you know, most of the train, leave a path in the center, you know, put a little things in the, in the way to block. So you have to, you know, you have to actually turn and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had mentioned it and he was like, the best way to put it, best way to describe it is pod racing um, with whoever's being the racers and then, People being, you know, the Tuscan Raiders shooting people as they go by. And, you know, you could you could technically, you know, depending on how many people you get, have like 10 racers and then 10 people shooting. And when they get past, you just tell those people to go down the line to the next open spot, you yeah. know, of people shooting. And then they can shoot from there and you space everybody out accordingly. So, it, you know, it's a little fair, but not greatly. <laughs> um, but I think that would be a, a good fun thing that we can talk about adding. Um, I've got to get with Travis to figure out good details and then set it up with whoever's running. And then we can have a pod racing, maybe like on a Sunday or something type it stuff. It sounds nuts. I love it already. Yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be a good fun thing. So guys, we are going to talk more about scenarios, uh, in the next few episodes. We'll do like one or two skirmishes and then one or two primaries, um, and go from there. And just, you know, have a good collaborative talk about those and ones we like, ones we don't like, ones we do, ones we don't do, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So if you have a favorite scenario or one you just simply cannot stand, 
hop in the comments, let us know because we want to know. Yeah, we want to know. I, I, there are some scenarios that I do not like at all. There's some that I think that are great and some that really need to be tweaked. Um, so we'll be looking at that. So, uh, in about two weeks, we'll cover four scenarios roughly. And Perfect. then, uh, we'll go from there. But before we leave, we have some cool news this week. Yeah, that just kind of came out of the blue, didn't it? Yeah, which was great because, you know, people have been asking on all the discords, when are we going to get some news? When are we going to get some news? When are we going to get some news? And we got some news. And not only did we get some news, we got some pictures to go with it. Uh, oh, yeah. This week, Privateer Press dropped Lost Legion on us. Um, not a lot of information. Not a lot of fluff. I, practically none, if I remember correctly. Um but definitely um, dropped some really cool pictures and told us, hey, it's coming, sorry, but it's coming, type thing. Yeah, I think it and says late next year. So, um, so with you being the ultimate and lore man yourself, give us all the lore you know on Lost Legion. Ready? I'll give you five seconds. Go. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take a sip of my drink because that's all the lore that we know about Lost Legion. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> we know nothing. So... That's not accurate. Okay, so we know there's one of the wildcard characters, Axel for Hire. And when, uh, I think it was Aaron Riddell, during the Kickstarter, he was putting out these little bits of fiction for each of the wildcards. And the one for Axel, he makes reference to his people and his legion and sort of implies that he's from, he's directly from this legion. And his card is the only one that's already marked, this character can work for Lost Legion. So that was kind of like how we all found out there was a faction called Lost Legion. Yeah. But beyond it, that, it, until, what, yesterday, the day before, we didn't know anything about Lost Legion at all. Correct. Because Axel's a merc. So the big question is like, is he one of them? Is he just working with them and all that? And looking at the art drop, the, the, the concept art pictures, which are gorgeous, by the way. Oh, they're cool. It's become very clear. The Lost Legion is a bunch of really militant robots. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about the first one. So the first one I saw was the Rifleman, which looks like their basic grunt yeah. uh, type thing. They have uh, heavy ballistic rifles, some fusion blades, which are like knives. Um, they have a weird, interesting little um, sponson, I guess you could say, that goes on their side on their backpack. You know, this little bulbous bulb, ball, ball that think, sits up top. I think that's their arc relay, actually. Or could be. I mean, we I have no clue, but... Yeah. Um, it sits in the same spot that everyone else's does for the correct. most part. Um, but this looks like their basic grunt. Um, basic rifles. There's like a heavy ballistic. It looks like one has scopes and everything. Um, and I want to say generic, but this is what I would consider to be the basic grunt, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and they also have plenty of uh, pouches and straps to go on them, um, which are interesting. But I dig it. I dig the style. It looks really cool. Um, very much robotic and actually kind of robotic. Like we have now, um, with, what was it, was there that one company that's doing, that has that one robot that always, they show them jumping around and everything. And that's what kind of reminded me of when I saw it, um, <laughs> Boston dynamics or whatever, their little robot yeah. they have. And that's what kind of reminds me of the plating and everything. So, um, but the next one we have are the commandos. And the commandos are wearing clothes. The commandos <laughs> look spooky, dude. I like these guys. Yeah, they have hooded, uh, look like hooded ponchos is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, with mimic cloaks. And if we go with the 
kind of thing that they're probably going to have stealth. Yeah, um, which makes sense because Axel also has a cloak, and I think he has stealth as well. Correct. And they have little fusion blades. They're curved, though, instead of normal straight. Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to give anything interesting. But um, they look like they're going to be, you know, the, the stealth unit. Yeah. Probably, uh, probably something melee, I would assume. But they also show that they have grenades, so they may have two attacks, or possibly three. Uh, a gun grenades and knives yeah so the notes said specifically fusion blade which i think is interesting because fusion blade is also the name of the kind of stock melee weapon for both the marchers and the ac i believe oh so that's it's kind of hinting that they're using like human stuff yeah which should be okay there's nothing wrong with that um i like it i like the mimic cloaks i think that looks cool um be really interesting to see um how they come out uh and the last one they showed us was the flamethrowers yeah which if you've watched my channel or you know me at all the ability to set things on fire is like my favorite thing (laughs) in any game i play yeah and this one um they show like a heavy flamer and then a lighter and two lighter versions so i wonder if like the heavy flamer would be an attachment maybe so i'm actually uh, I'm sitting here looking at it. It looks like they gave us three designs for heavy flamethrower, and then each one is paired with a slimmed down lighter version. Correct. Uh, and, it's like lighter, lighter, yeah. lighter, and then heavy, heavy, heavy. So I don't know if they're going to maybe do like attachments or like here's a heavy flamer unit and here's a light flamer unit. Could be. But the idea of a squad, like a squad of three dudes is what we're looking at here with fiery spray weapons. And the fact that Reiteration Complex is a card that exists just makes me just unbearably happy. Yeah. Uh, they also come with a, a fusion blade, too. So, I mean, that seems to be their, you know, the standard melee weapon. Um, the interesting part about all of this is they're all robots. We haven't seen any type of flesh-type thing on any of these models. We are still kind of new in it. Very true. Um, I would not be surprised if all of them had, like, either self-repair or models that could repair them. It would be really cool if they had like attachment drones that could repair them. Mm. That would be so kind like of, the automech? yeah, sort of like an auto mech that fly as an attachment that flies around with them and, you know, can repair it. Cause I, I would like to see these guys have more than one wound or the ability to resurrect or whatever type thing. Um, a, a unit, a model to the unit. I think your Necron player is showing. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but I mean that would be that would fit this that you could have a attachment that either a they have two wounds apiece and you could you know repair them, or b you know they could bring a model back. It would be an attachment that to do it. Yeah. I will say I'm sitting here looking at the art for the flamethrowers, and my favorite part is the fact that they have like these cool looking welders masks on. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're a robot. Yep. But it just, it looks, it really looks so, like, really uniquely stylish. Actually, I'm digging that. Yeah. I'm digging it. I like this a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm interested to see the rules. I would be, I would be shocked if their, their stats were a little bit above normal, but they would be more expensive to, I wouldn't say more expensive, but they would be a, a, a more of a smaller faction and not as many models compared to other things. Um, like, we wouldn't see a ton of units 
just kind of like a base core group mm. um, type thing. And that um, they would probably be probably a high toughness, um, above average shooting. And I figure their jacks are going to be probably beefy as shit. I'm really curious and excited to see their jacks. If the dudes look like this, I want to see what the jacks look like. As long as they, if they upsized them and like gave them like four arms, that would be badass. Yeah. <laughs> four legs, four arms, and just let them do what they need to do. Yeah, that would be cool. The heavy saber has competition now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to see if we get any models that are not robotic, that they're humans. Yeah. That would be we the interesting part. We were talking about part. that on the Discord, actually, the other day. Because someone had asked, but like, how how do the robots have a warcaster? Correct. Now, these robots could have a, you know, an actual brain, and these are just the bodies they have. Because they've yeah, shed their, true. you know, their mortal, you know, bodies, and they're just, you know, their their brains are just, they have actual brains, but they're not computers. Or, yeah, so like if the AC actually got what they wanted. Correct. Or, I mean, it could be that everything is controlled by the Warcaster itself, and the Warcaster is, you know, technically human. Put quotes around that, and a flesh body. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. We have, like I said, this is all new to us. We have no freaking clue. And I like that. Yeah. I like the excitement. Um, there has been some speculations of how they're going to make these. Some people are asking for a three D print. Some people are asking for resin. Some people are asking for metal. I we have no clue. No, I honestly don't know enough about the, the process to even hazard a guess at that. Yeah, nobody has a clue. I mean, we're sure we're going to probably get like probably three or four basic infantry style models or units. Uh, mm-hmm. a, probably a heavy unit of some sort. Um, probably, you know, a few solos to go with everything at probably at least two to three solos. Yeah. Um, one vehicle, I'm sure. Um, and probably two jacks. Uh, mantlets. I yeah. A, a mantlet. I don't know if we'd get a character jack though, you know, type thing that would be, you know, super powerful than everything else, but. Oh, uh, like, uh, the headsman. Yeah. Like the headsman. Yeah. Uh, don't know. Um, had no clue because we don't even like this. We have no lore. If we had lore, we can kind of speculate a little bit easier. Yeah, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, they look cool. I like the artwork. They look like they'd be fun to paint. I mean, you could just pretty much heck, you could dry brush the shit out of that and then just paint the armor plating one color, and then do yeah. a little bit of highlight on the the glowy bits, and you'd be done. This looked like it would be a pretty quick and easy army to paint. I think. Probably. I need to I need to actually get around to painting my axle, but now it's like he he should be a pretty good representation. I'm sitting here holding him. He should be a pretty good representation for what we can expect from what we're yeah. seeing. Yeah. I hopefully they like I said, I hope we get like a big beefy unit, like everybody else kinda has, you know, a specialized unit. Um I'm sure the vehicle's gonna be cool as shit looking. I think everything is gonna look really neat. Yeah. Um if it follows the same aesthetic, it'll be really good. Yeah. I'm sure after they drop some lore, some information on like who these guys actually are, then we'll probably get a better idea of what they can do. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they had some like resurrection protocol type thing or a unit that followed around and repair them. Or they all had like two wounds. 
or it could bring models back. That that it wouldn't shock me one bit. <laughs> so like a grafter, but with a wrench. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll be interesting. I I think we'll probably see some like, I think the commandos, you know, are going to be your advanced movement type thing and blow stuff up and you know stealth, basic troops. Like I said, I see them having above average stats. Um, type Go thing. For the lead army. Yeah. So with that in mind, I mean, we saw with, um, I'm going to use the Imperian cadre as my example. So the one most recently familiar with the murder chickens are DC three for a squad and they're undeniably scary. Yeah. I remember that threw me for a loop the first time I went to pull them out. Cause I was like, I'm used to, to squads being DC two, but these guys are terrifying. And I think they well earned their DC three. Are you looking at, are you saying we might see like more elite armies in that respect? Well, I mean, just from looking at them and thinking about it, they're metal. They have no fleshy bits. That mm-hmm. I think their shooting is probably going to be about average, but their armor and you know the ability to take damage, I think, is going to be kind of high, in my opinion. Gotcha. Um, I think it's going to be just a little bit. They they can they can absorb more damage. Type thing, in my opinion, just because they're robots and they don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's just my that thing. might be the slogan. We don't know. Yeah, we're robots and we don't give a damn. <laughs> and that's all the lore we get. Go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I like them. Like I said, it, it looks really neat. Looks really cool. Uh, quite a few people are excited about it. Everybody's pretty, you know, ready for it. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, a lot, lot of excitement when that got dropped. I was, I was pumped to see everyone chatting about it. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see him quicker than we think, um, but we'll just have to we have to wait and go it. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Um, it's pretty much about our episode. Like I says, we're you know kind of getting back into everything. We're all kind of re- getting a little bit refreshed. Uh, our next episode, we'll be talking about probably two to four new scenarios um, or four scenarios: two skirmish, two primary, until we get through all of those. Um, yeah. After we do that. I don't know what we're going to do besides talk some more cool shit. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some Lost Legion lore to talk about. Yeah, we might. So, um, for more than dice and war dice, I'm Gonzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. Let's roll that beautiful music. <laughs>